With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome to episode 9 of Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively from San Antonio, Texas, featuring myself, Ben Doughty. And myself, uh, Michael Silk Olajide. And last but not least, Michael, sorry, Mike. Mike Cyclone. Ayala. Miguel. See, Miguel this is, Ayala. We're still, we're still a complete shambles at this, you know, because my, <laughs> my concept, I, I don't mind discussing this in front of the ladies, you know, the, the millions of viewers, you know, around the world. Yeah, uh, my concept was I was introduced myself, you introduced yourself. Then I introduced Mike, but none of us are quite sure what we're doing. Regardless of that, we came here to talk boxing, gentlemen. Let's start with Teofimo Lopez versus Sandor Martin and the controversy that has uh, sprang from the decision last night. Because I believe you were there, Silk. I was. I was. I was right there, Jerry Cooney, right in front of me, and oh yeah. And uh, I, I thought the fight was. Um, I thought the kid fought in reverse a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? As long as as long as the aggressor is able to counter and catch him, um, and I and I kind of thought he did. I didn't really see or feel the controversy. Maybe seeing it, being there live, and being there, uh, or being there and watching it on TV or different mediums altogether. So you'll get a different uh, appreciation of the fight. Yeah, uh, so it came as a surprise to you when you heard about the kind of fallout from the decision and people, even Ryan Garcia yeah. saying it was a disgrace and all the rest of it. You That came yeah. as a surprise to you, having been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any way in heaven that it was a disgrace. I mean, either way, I, I, I could see like, I mean, I didn't even see any rounds up for controversy except for the knockdown. That that was a legitimate knockdown. That right hook, was it a right hook counter? Left hook counter yeah. when Tiafimo came in and he and he, he rushed forward and he caught him off the top of the head. Those are hard shots to get hit with, right, Miguel? Yeah, yeah exactly. I thought on the replay I was seeing on TV, it like he grazed him. It didn't really like it was a solid shot. It didn't look like yeah. it to me anyway. Yeah. But it, but it did make contact. Yes, it and did. He went up, but 
like you were saying, I didn't think it was a big controversy because uh, 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 Lopez was putting pressure. He was chasing him all night, yeah. trying to make the fight. I thought he won. Yeah, you know what I mean. I thought, or or it could have been a good drop, but yeah. I thought if you through our boxing experience, I, I think you'll agree with me. If the aggressive you put in, you're the aggressor trying to make the fight, and the other one is just running all night and just you know, defensive yeah. trying to survive, it's hard to look good against a fighter like that. I think yeah, there's a, the distinction you made, Silk, between you don't mind a guy who wants to box going backwards if he's doing it effectively and he's committed yeah. to that game plan, but if he is more survival orientated and simply what yeah. they call running, yeah. then it, then it's another quite another matter. Yeah, he did. He, he did actually do that. And you know what the knockdown reminded me of? It reminded me of when Sugar Ray Benitez off the top of the head. Yeah. Um, except Southpaws, they do that really cute counter. It's a beautiful when you reach in, they, catch, they can catch you off the top of the head. But um, when Sugar Ray dropped Benitez, I, I almost didn't – I was so young at the time. I didn't in know you could really yeah. knock somebody down off the top of the head. It was, like, unique. I always thought it had to be at the chin or side of the head. But it's really sensitive up and around the brain, the temples, for instance, and off the back of the head behind the ear. It's very, very sensitive. And so he, I knew right away when he caught him, he caught him good. The kid got buzzed. But after that, before that and after that, I, I didn't really see a, a yeah. lot coming back from, from him. Is it fair to say that it was, regardless of it being a deserved win, in your opinion and in Mike's opinion, and I've got to be honest, I didn't really see it enough to score it because we were watching uh, two cards at the same time last night at Mike's okay. place. We had the, the BLK Prime, Terence Crawford, Avenition, Bill on the oh, big yeah. TV. We had um, the other card, the Lopez card, on, on his lady wife's phone. And it was also playing in another room in the house. Uh, yeah, and uh, like uh, in a kind of auxiliary lounge TV right, room you have. Exactly. So we're not obsessed or, or anything like that. We don't have a problem. But because that was the thing, as soon as um, Avenition got knocked out, Mike said, OK, now let's go in this room and finish. Watch the last two rounds of Lopez on the big screen instead. It's but like you have pugilistic ADD or something. You can go yeah. from here to there. Well, I, I was going to say, I was tempted to post last night, you know, you might think you're boxing obsessed, but are you at Mike Ayala's house watching th two fights on th your three different screens? Well, sh and if not, then shut up, quite frankly. But... The point being, I couldn't score it, to be honest with you. I, I was relying on Mike's updates while I was mostly focusing on the, on the card in, in Omaha. Um, yeah. And then I saw the last two rounds of it. But the point being that, um, is it fair to say at least, I mean, it sounds like a phone ringing, is it fair to say at least that it wasn't the most impressive or convincing performance from Lopez? And how do you feel about his trajectory from this yeah. point going forward? I, I think that what that fight shows were definitely his limitations. See, because it's also, no matter what, you may not have a willing opponent, but if you are so dominant, you find a way to to get him out of there. You find a way yeah. to make your opponent look bad. Now, he, it may not be the style that, it, it's a style that contradicts with your ability. It conflicts with your ability. I absolutely understand that. But um, to be a complete fighter, you have to be able to get rid of those fighters and look good in those kind of uh, those kind of days. I mean, Dur I'm, look, uh, Duran had those problems too, and guys got up on their bike and ran. It's just like, you know what I mean? Duran well, didn't always get him out of there, but uh, you know, that, those, that's just one of the ways of measuring a fight. It's hard because uh, see, when you fight a fighter, who doesn't really want to win one just to survive. He doesn't want to. He doesn't make you look good. Yeah, he doesn't, and, he doesn't have, leave himself good. open. Exactly. Once you take up a good shot or he feels your power, all they do is run, hold, yeah. 
and, and stuff, and it gets and it's frustrating as yeah. you go and stuff. And sometimes you can make a mistake and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I, but and I agree with you. I thought Lopez did enough to win, and you know, with the with the circumstance, because sometimes yeah. it would be ideal and a perfect world if you had a fighter that comes in and engages with you, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it would be. But but like they say. Styles make boxing, a boxing make, you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what you get within the yeah, point. Yeah. Well, the matchmaker didn't make any points himself last night. No. Um, is Lopez, where does Lopez go for me and how well do you think he'll do for me? Because obviously when he was riding the crest of a wave, yeah. being undefeated yeah. and having beaten yeah. Vesa Lomachenko, who was getting paid, yeah. compared to the likes of Willie Pep and Sugar Robinson prior yeah. to that, you would have had the highest hopes for his future and, you know, commercially yeah. and, and otherwise. Yeah. How do you feel about how uh, much of a factor and how he's going to be in the game now and how successful he's going to be going forward? Yeah, he's a he's a big kid for his for his division. He was a lightweight. He was huge. Now he's junior yeah. welterweight, right? And, and I, I believe that this division is kind of like a... It's, it's not a, a very exciting division, the junior welterweight division, from what I understand which isn't the biggest i don't have the most knowledge on junior welterweight divisions or any of the divisions these days but where yeah. the action is is like lightweight and welterweight so he's gonna have to make a decision and not you know go in between he's big enough to fight a welterweight obviously but you know the guys are bigger they hit harder and the talent is much much more bad it's a hotter division so yeah. talking of that or did you have a point you wanted to yeah, make? yeah uh, on the contrary i think there's some big money fights uh, uh, the rematches of Machenko and, and Lopez, yeah, or uh, if Ryan Garcia beats Janante Davis, that's yeah. a good matchup, too. Lopez yeah. against uh, yeah. Ryan Garcia, but at Davis against uh, Lopez, I think those fights are interesting, yeah, I, I think so too. But I, but I, I thought they were like at lightweight fights, now he's a junior welterweight. Well, they're fighting 140. Uh, Ryan Garcia would go to 140, definitely. I, I don't think he can do like well, lightweight so easy anymore, to be honest with you, okay. Yeah, no, I, I personally I don't see how Tank makes it either, but I don't know these guys. Yeah, have and I think legs. so far as I know, what 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 catch weight did they say that Tank versus Garcia will be made at? Was it something like one three six? Was it? If I, oh, if really? It did they, but not for the lightweight title. It's just a fight. It's a ten. What like what lightweight title? Um, you know, we 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 have almost as many titles as we have genders in the yeah. landscape. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I don't know. So honestly, I'm not I'm not being will, willfully facetious. I genuinely lose track. Yeah. Um, we've been talking a lot about boxing these last few days, inevitably, and often he, I, he, Michael say, "Well, the guy was, you know, he was good. He deserves his props. He was a world champion." And I and I've been talking to him about how that's lost a lot of his resonance for me in this era. Mm -hmm. So. I think the important thing is when you get it to guys, uh, marquee fighters of, of marvelous ability like Javonta Davis and Ryan Garcia. What matters is they make the fight, and we yeah. and and they, you know, they produce a, a great fight. That's more important than what yeah. the kind of hardware billing uh, attached to it will be. Who do you, you know, like in that fight, guys? Who do you yeah. like? I like. Uh, I, I tend to side with with Davis, even though he's a smaller guy. I tend to side with Javonta. I just think he's more experienced. I think he's more tested. I think he. I think he's a, overall a better fighter. I think he carries his power up with him wherever he goes, mm -hmm. and that's why I fancy uh, Tank. But I know that Mike begs to differ. Oh uh, yeah, I, I I love Ryan Garcia. I love his height. I love you know he's uh, uh, he blends. You know what I mean? He. Uh, yeah. I think it's gonna be a good fight. If he fights yeah. his fight, fights tall, like yourself, fights tall, keeps you know keeps his distance. 
he yeah. can control Davis because yeah. Davis is pretty short yeah. and if he takes his advantage. So, but mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. you know, in a fight, things change. Yeah, uh, headbutt. Sure. Cut, yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean? The unforeseeable injury happens, and yeah. the fight, you know, yeah. it, it it turns, or he yeah. might get caught because. Uh, yeah. One thing I do respect about Jalante Davis, he can bang. And when you yeah. fight a, a banger, they can change the fight at any time. Yeah, yeah. He showed against Leo Santa Cruz, you know. With those yeah, Leo Santa Cruz. And how about yeah. uh, Riley Romero? Yes, yeah, so same thing. Exactly yeah. the same syndrome. One and his, his, um, his, uh, his reflexes, Garcia's reflexes, I think, are going to be the biggest problem for, uh, for Tank. Uh, because because he is long, yes, he is long. He's tall, and he throws his punches. He fights everything like he can get good distance, right? And he's got respectable power, more than respectable power, and yeah. and his reflexes. So you, it's really you can't make too many mistakes against a guy like that. Um, and the important I, thing, and the important thing uh, uh, also too, when he fought when he fought Luke Campbell, he got caught. Yeah, and he got up. So. Yeah. He shows us that he, if he gets hurt by by Davis, he can recuperate his and capacity back. to get up. Although you have to say Campbell is not nearly the finisher of of the Davis's oh, Davis yes. level. I, you know what I, I mean? It's a different beast altogether. All of a sudden, you're being hunted by like the apex predator of the jungle. Is different than being <laughs> right. hunted. You know what I mean? I do agree with Mike, though, insofar as I think it was a bit of an acid test for Garcia, and I do think he has that X factor. You see that you see some of the um, failings in him, you know, defensively, and he's still a little green compared yeah. to presumably the fighter who's going to be one day. But mm -hmm. I do think there's an X factor about Ryan Garcia and that special sort of extra something that you know, je ne sais quoi, as it were, you know, yeah. about yeah. this fighter. Yeah, but no, Tom, he really, he really has it going on, and and he's he's seen enough punches and he's seen enough guys in his time that. You know he's not he's not he's not a novice like he's a tested he's a tested commodity and and he's going to be all right. It's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be a really a great fight for the public. Uh, so I'm glad it's happening because Jeff you know, Jeff Thompson. Good awesome. evening, guys. Impossible to keep up nowadays with the titles. It means just hope, just keep hoping the best will eventually fight the best. I agree about Garcia. I think he may take Tank down the stretch. Um, so th that's an opinion from from one of our viewers right now. Yeah. Um, Moving Thanks, on to, sir. you talk about the welterweight division um, by alluding to the fact that Lopez might yeah. be caught between two stools and needs to make a decision. Last night, um, I know that before the fight last night in, in Omaha, Nebraska, against the tough um, English-based Russian David Avenition, my mm -hmm. friend here, Mike, was saying that he wasn't entirely 100% sold on Terence Crawford, particularly not with some people contending that he's the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world today. He's a believer now. He's going to tell you about that. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Uh, because I haven't seen Crawford that close and with, with, and with competition. Mm -hmm. Yesterday uh, evening when we saw them, but I was seeing the fight from the beginning as a fighter. And, you, and you know, Michael, uh, you know, when the fight's going on and the guy's giving you a little bit of problems, you, you're trying different things to see if they, yeah. if they work. Yeah. But I saw Crawford yesterday. He was trying to get that uppercut in him, but couldn't really quite get it in. And eventually, but he kept on. He was persistent. Mm -hmm. And another thing, too, what a lot of fighters do, they only, they only throw one shot. He was throwing combinations, yes. and that impressed me. And yeah. when he caught, when he caught uh, the fighter with you know, because the southpaw, uh, uh, right uppercut. No, it wasn't. It was left, left uppercut. Left, left right uppercut, hook. right hook. Yeah, yeah and uh, I get confused because I'm right-handed and right and, <laughs> and, and and right hook. It was it was a beautiful shot. Yeah, and and, he, and you know he finished he finished him up with the yeah. combination. 
Yeah. You saw that right, Silk? Yeah, I saw the fight. I was um, incredibly impressed by Crawford, but I've always been a fan of his because I just like his his like his fistic intelligence. You know what I mean? He just has yes, very correct. very intelligent hands. Like you saw what he was doing when he was when when uh, the first couple of rounds, and he's giving ground. He's giving ground, but he's not giving ground without testing. He's like he's putting shots out there that without aren't really, texting. Yeah, without I'm texting. Sorry? You said he he's he's, give, he's not giving ground without texting. Did you say? Oh yeah, we're uncontested. He isn't yeah, getting like, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I um, I wish I developed a new saying like that. But I, I thought it was, I thought it was like a silk phrase. I thought there's another one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. He, he was giving ground. But- With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He was texting all the time. Tim Bradley <laughs> likes some funny Well, posts. let's just Maybe say we'll I did say up. that. Let's say I did say that. I, I can go cool. with that. Go but, on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so what he, what he was doing, like he was always like sticking a stiff jab or whatever punch he was throwing, and he was and he was almost like not punching and pulling it back. He was placing the heaviness of his hands on him to make him aware of his presence, to make this kid aware that if he gets hit, you know what I mean, he's gonna feel it. And, and the kid was coming in with his hands up high and covering everything up, and 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 he was as you catching know, a lot of shots in the arm. Right. That's one of the hardest defenses to, to, to go up against, right? When a guy covers his ribs and covers his face and he's tight and he's got everything in tight and you have to try to punch your way through or punch around and, and you have to anticipate when they're going to punch so you can yeah. – because when his hand leaves his body, that's when the opening is there. When it comes back, it's I've, gone. Evolution, too, is very unorthodox and very uh, high energy. Yeah. He put on a lot of pressure. You notice the way he was – Switching stances at pivotal moments to launch just a, a shot here and there. Particularly, he he was a big fan of coming in like this, like you say, bit of bit of lateral movement, uh, changing his levels. Then he'd switch mm-hmm. southpaw and sling a, a left hand from yeah. the backhand position quite frequently. I thought he caught Crawford a whole lot in the earlier rounds, and I do yeah. really commend David Avenition for, for for approaching that with total self belief. If you're going to lose, there's more honor for me in losing to the best in the world like yeah. that than there is in some kind of yeah. belt grab scenario where you've maneuvered Absolutely. yourself into a position of false glory by playing that Absolutely. game. You know, I don't know how much David yeah. Avenition got paid last night. I know Crawford allegedly got 10 million, but I thought yeah. it was a fantastic showing for David Avenition. And if that's the way you're going to go out, go out like that. Yeah, 100% respect for him. You cannot, you know, take anything away from him. He came there to fight, he came there slinging. It's like you or me. And that's all there is to it. He put himself on the line. And that's that's what the fans want to see. It doesn't matter how it's done. As long as you're giving 100% of yourself, um, that could be appreciated. Uh, I love the way Crawford calculated as he moves. Like, he doesn't start thinking he wants to punch and then starts punching when the opportunity comes. He's always making an opportunity for himself. Like, if, a, if an opponent throws, he has a counter for that. If the po- opponent's not throwing, he's doing work to create that opening for himself. So he's yeah. on 100% of the time. You'll find a lot of fighters, um, you know, they'll they'll throw some punches. Then they'll get up on their toes and they'll move to get a break or they'll, you know, shuck and jive and look around. And, and, and many, many fighters do that. But Crawford 
what I love about him, he's always in striking range, whether exactly. to, be struck, to be struck or to strike back. And that's why his fights, that's why I see it. I look at him and I'm going to say, this guy's just unusual. He's he's really, uh, you know, that, is that's he, greatness is what he's he, doing. Is he the best pound for pound fighter in the world today? You first. I have, um, for my top three, he's, for me, he's pound for pound, yes. And I go that strictly, not on, obviously, you can't say he's fought all of the best opposition he can, but it's strictly based on his ability, his, his um, like, the talent, his instinct, his uh, knowing how difficult it is to do the things that he does and makes them look so easy. That's, those are some of the reasons why I, I vote him as pound for pound one of the best. And then I would have to say I go to, I would say uh, Beterbiev would be my second. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell us the third before and we move on? My third would be Usyk. Usyk. Yeah. So first question, Mike, is do you regard Crawford as the best pound for pound fighter in the world or somebody else? No, I, I think so. You I think, think so. yeah, I, got... I didn't think that until last night. So no, yeah, until last night because I saw, like, uh, like Michael was saying, when he, when he had his hands, he uh, uh, Crawford figured it out coming right down the middle, you yeah. know, between the between the high guard, mm -hmm. and that's why he started clashing with the uppercut. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I would say Crawford. I like Crawford. I like. Um, I, I would love to see Errol Spence. And Crawford, mm -hmm. that would have been a good matchup. Yeah, and that's, yeah. the, that's the fight they're trying to make. Um, Jeff Thompson, who's been making some comments uh, during this right. podcast, um, has said that he he grudgingly admits now that Crawford probably would beat Spence. He's a huge Errol Spence fan. Um, yeah. I think we still need to see the fight regardless, because that's, like you say, that's ultimately how great Well, yeah, well, well like, like Michael was saying, fighters should... What's happening, they're making it too commercial. And mm -hmm. the old days, good fighters would fight good fighters and that's yeah. how you distinguish yeah you know you know right now what's happening is that the battling promotions and stuff make things difficult like that what happened with the ryan garcia janante davis until ranson whatever you know yeah. they make too too many well which referee they want uh where's the venue <laughs> going to be and the, net, and the argument about the network which platform we stays on that's exactly. a big point sometimes you know? exactly you know i want it on dnz you know i want it on showtime and if the bullfighters have different TV companies, well, that's another thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, but the thing is, I, I would tend to agree uh, that that Crawford probably is the number one guy. I mean, that that's that would be my take on it right now. Since you suggested the notion of a top three, I would say perhaps uh, Naoya Inoue might be the second immediately behind I have him. To take a look at him. You know, I haven't seen him. Is his powers? Yeah, his power is legend, I guess. <laughs> so I'm hearing yeah. a lot about it, but I haven't had a chance to see him yet. There's a Japanese fighter called Naoya Inoue. They're calling him the monster. If you haven't seen him... Oh, he's a flyweight? He was a flyweight, then he was a super flyweight, then he was a bantamweight right now. He's Englishman Paul Butler from Liverpool kind of way. Ellesmere <laughs> Paul is fighting him next time out. I don't know what the date is. I don't know if it's January or I don't know if it's before the end of the year, but Paul Butler is thought to be on a kind of a suicide mission 
perhaps yeah. even worse than Evanesian was perceived last night. If Evanesian had a one last night, I think it might have been a Hunnigan Curry kind of level thing. But Butler yeah. versus Inouye, if he was somehow to get that result, and fair play for him for taking the fight and, and you know, taking on the best in the world once again, as did Avenition last night, then yeah. I think it might even be even more of a shocker than the Hunnigan Curry scenario, you know? Um, I mean, that was that, that was just like a world rocker. That was that was insane. You, I, you I know, want to tell you before we forget to mention it, um, that we're gonna um we're going to see if we can hook up with Donald Curry uh, next week in Fort Worth. Okay. We're going to make a trip to Fort Worth. We, we can't guarantee anything, but if, if we'd like to go and say hi if, if he's available. And uh, we, we put some feelers out, and that, that would be kind of that'd be pretty phenomenal for me if it comes off. We have yeah, some pretty – I know we definitely have some very interesting guests lined up that we're going to love. So yeah, <laughs> well, we can't we can't times. get curry on the we can't get curry on the podcast because we're we're, we're going to we're going to Fort Worth on Tuesday, but I will get something. Yeah, oh sweet, I'd love to hear it. It, it. He was an amazing fighter. He was, you know, a hero to all fighters when he was coming up. Really, you looked at him, and he's one of those kinds of fighters that that made you you looked at him and you say, I want to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's certain moves he made. I, again, I, his knockout over Mill McCrory. Every fighter, once he, he slipped the jab and came back with the left hook and caught him on the chin, you're in the gym the next day trying to make that your move. Yeah, you know what I mean. To me, at that age, that was so impressionable. That was that was my thing. Absolutely. Um, when I say to me, the chilling thing was when he dismantled Colin Jones, who was a tough, elite puncher who mm -hmm. take him, you know, give Mill yeah. McCrory hell in yeah. two WBC. Yes. title challenges, yeah. you know, vacant title yeah. challenges. And then when he uh, got a shot against Curry for the WBA title in January mm -hmm. 1985 in, in Birmingham, mm -hmm. England, mm -hmm. there was something just so utterly chilling and surgical about the way Curry took him apart, you know, yeah. like he was nothing, yeah. like a hot knife yeah. through butter. And like mm -hmm. you just said, Michael, um, I, I was all Sugar Ray Leonard and Muhammad Ali. That was my whole focus in terms of any kind of imitation. Uh -huh. um, kind of homage went that way yeah. but for a little while after seeing curry do that to colin jones i was suddenly trying to experiment with this more cobra like style of just high yeah yeah movement until you needed it yeah you know, being more aggressive and and um one like you say it was that it was that feeling of i want to do that yeah yeah no absolutely he had that beautiful style and before we get off um before we get off crawford i did want to say that when i think of past fighters that he reminds me of he he kind of reminds me of Mayweather, but without the hyper defense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, funny enough, Scoop Malinowski, who's a fairly controversial journalist that some people regard him as a fruitcake. I know Randy Gordon recently banned him from his page because he finally. Oh, really? oh no. Yeah. He actually made. He actually. Well, I won't share the message, but he 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 made me aware of the fact he'd chosen to ban Scoop, and I said, "Well, I'm going to hang in there because he was loyal to me when the whole world was calling me worse than Hitler back, at, you know, six years ago." So, <laughs> I'm, you know, wait, 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 worse than Hitler. What what did you do? There was. <laughs> did you never hear about this? There was a whole kind of ticket gate scandal back in 2016 when I I was spinning a lot of plates. I was drinking alcoholically at the time. Uh -huh. And I just got myself in trouble with money. And I, I and I was one project behind myself constantly. I uh -huh. took a lot of money for tickets for the Kelbrook Gennady Golovkin fight without uh -huh. knowing for sure if I could get the tickets. And I also had an arrangement mm -hmm. with, the, with the man I used to get tickets off where he might not see me for a few weeks and I'd have more time to get some more money and settle up. So I might use the, the money that had been paid to, to, to pay off other existing things like uh, Bruno's yeah. deposit or Nigel Ben's deposit or whatever it was yeah, yeah. for the I was running. Long story short, it was like seven and a half thousand pounds worth of ticket money taken 
no, neither the money nor the tickets were remotely forthcoming. Um, oh, I kind of yeah. disappeared off social media for a week while I just drank and. Sure. Uh, oh my lord! I'm sorry. Bottom situation, and um, a lot of people were just saying, "What you know? What a scumbag! He's he's the scum of the earth, and he's mm -hmm. he's built up all this confidence over these years just to pull off this kind of great big confidence trick." People yeah. grossly exaggerated the amounts of money were involved. I'd had, I'd stolen a hundred grand, and I was living an idle life of illegally subsidized luxury in Monte Carlo. Was the story, um, <laughs> you know? So yeah, you couldn't make it up. Well, you could make it up because they did make it up. Yeah, so yeah. anyway. While people were saying this is terrible, and even the most even the most pro doughty people were saying this does sound bad. I've got to admit this sounds pretty bad. And Scoop Malinowski just said, "Nah, I like Ben Doughty," and I've never quite forgotten that. You know what I mean? Even <laughs> yes. as crazy as he is, I've never forgotten that. But regardless, he said that Crawford is way better than Floyd ever was, um, which I don't know about that. Uh, Floyd's a lot of flash, and uh, but the thing is, is that Crawford has five good opponents, and I. And I like uh, his workmanship. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The way he works, the way, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you said, Michael, not a lot of flash, not a lot of talking. He just goes yeah. and, uh, he, you know, he gets to work and does what he has to do to win. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it, yeah. He makes it simple. Yeah, he does. He simplifies. And that's, that's what I like to say. Like, Floyd will do hyper defense until he feels comfortable. He's got the measure of his opponent. And then he'll start taking risks, and then he start moving his hands. So he'll give likelihood he'll give away the first two, three rounds. You know, if if a person is really talented, he'll give away the first two, three, four rounds, and then he'll start to finally put hands on him after four or five rounds, and he'll win a decision and, and take the later rounds because of his superior conditioning and his fight intellect. Um, yeah. But when it comes down to Crawford, Crawford is immediately applying you know his ability and and finding openings and and um he doesn't just do defense like it's more a, a crowd pleasing style i guess i would have to say whereas floyd's is more a little more self-preservation self-preservation which is strange uh in view of that and it's definitely true why mayweather became the big pay-per-view star that he did and it what it proves it's actually your style and profile outside the ring, which has a big effect on that. Right. And a big effect on people partying with their hard-earned cash to watch you on pay-per-view. Because And Floyd massively exploited social media. Um, yeah. He said that the, the difference between him when he was with Aaron being promoted by someone else to the days at his zenith when he was promoting himself and he was using social media to the to its ultimate degree, he said, was right. like night and day financially and everything else, you know, so... Yeah. Um, Social media was still just growing then, right? When when Floyd it, was, it didn't it was, play that much of a. He spanned the era, but but by the time, by the time he was in the 2010s, certainly by mm. the time he fought Pacquiao in 2015. Social yeah. media was absolutely ablaze, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he said, that point, yes. He he said that was the night and day. He said, you know, that once he knew, he said, if he'd had social media from the start of his career, he he would have been boxing's first billionaire. That's his opinion of uh, supposedly. I've heard that quote. Can I say something? Go ahead. To me, but earn my respect for Floyd Mayweather, and people haven't talked about this fight, but I thought what he showed, and and I think what made him was I remember I don't remember if you remember the fight when he fought Shane Mosley. Yeah. Yeah. Shane almost knocked him out. Yeah. Hurt him. And, yeah. you know, he regained himself and got his composure yes. back. Yeah. And, and he came back to win. That's a great champion. When you get yes. a fight, yeah. any fighter that, that, that could get stunned like that and change yeah. it around yeah. and come back to win, 
he has something. Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt about it. Like, there's no denying Floyd's ability. And the reason why we're talking about him now in these contexts is because the three of us agree that he is a great, he is a great fighter. There's no doubt about that. I'm just saying in terms of his, um, his fight style wasn't the most pleasing of fight styles. And you're an aficionado and a purist too. You're, you're like a connoisseur and you didn't find it the most pleasing. Um, right. Exactly. And, I, and I agree the same thing. I, I agree with you too. Cause he makes a, you can make a fight boring. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and sometimes he plays it too safe. Yeah. You know what yes, I mean? Exactly. Yeah, and sometimes you know it's just like um, let me. I'm trying to think, like Joe, like Sugar Ray Robinson. You got to uh -huh. take chances. If yes. You want greatness, you guys. And Mayweather once, I think Mayweather achieved what he wanted. If he came to play too safe, picking his opponents yeah. and stuff like that, you know, yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, he yeah. that model yeah. down, and he never fought out in Las Vegas in later years. And right. some, yeah. some people exactly. said that was because he. He needed to take lidocaine for his hands, and then no other commission allowed it, whereas some other right. commissions didn't. And then he made it a carnival, fighting other people like wrestlers and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, like fighting Conor McGregor and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I felt that you know, me as a fighter and as yourself, you know, like he was downgrading our sport. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Making yeah. a yeah. carnival instead of because boxing serious, boxing yeah. you can lose your life. Yeah, and and there's lots of times. Look, fighters, you give the chance, to, you give the opportunity to the fighters coming up. It's like fighters. Uh, it's almost like when you're a great fighter and you fight the guys that are in line, the great guys you're supposed to fight, because that's what happens. Like you ate the champion before you, and then you become champ. Now you have to give that young guy the chance to eat you. So right. they can go on right. to become champion. That's that just is, like the law of the jungle. That's that the law is of the, the old concept. That, that is the old concept that boxing was essentially founded on, and it was, mm -hmm. and the same thing as the, the schoolyard fight and whoever's the, the the cock of the year or right. the cock of the school. Yeah, that is the logic we should always have because that's what it is. But I, mean, I remember Sugar Ray Leonard saying to me when I interviewed him about ten years ago, when he said, "I believe it's more of a business thing today." He said, "It's gotten away from mano mano, you against me, the legacy." Yeah. And mm -hmm. even though he acknowledged he was fighting for mega millions himself, he still feels it was it was less the completely all consuming force than it is today, where there is even so much more money on, on the table, you right. know? Yeah. Well, I think Sugar Ray was also one of the first ones to, uh, was he like to do catch weights and stuff like that? Um, it was kind of what it was with Donnie Lalonde. When he challenged Donnie Lalonde in November 1988 for the yeah. WBC Light Heavyweight Championship, it was the start of the WB, sorry, of the um, the super middleweight division, essentially, although yeah. it had been and with Murray Sutherland, we were talking about him right. the other day. Right. Murray Sutherland was the first super middleweight champion with the IBF version yep. of that time in 1984. But the WBC had suddenly come around to that way of thinking and they were offering a, a, a super middleweight title when they never had previously. So once it had become available, there was obviously, I don't know whose idea it was, but it was decided that Lalonde and Leonard will contest not only the WBC like heavyweight title, but also the inaugural WBC super middleweight title. Now, obviously, in order for that to be possible, they had to make the lower weight. Otherwise, you can't fight for a belt. Right. So they had to make... A lot of fans have got a problem with it. Um, I'm aware of that. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with the idea if you're going to fight for two titles, you have to make the poundage of the lighter one. It would be a nonsense to suggest anything else. So that's slightly different to a catchweight, okay? It's not exactly a catchweight. You're oh, saying... If, if I say I'm fighting you for a lightweight but, title... But, but, but they fought for Donnie Lund's light heavyweight title, right? Yeah, they did. Um, and Donnie well, had to make what weight? 168. 
And he can you know what? He came in more like a one six four. He he got he did too much sparring, he says he did too much road work. And when people say that Leonard dragged him down, you know, and was too cute about that and too manipulative yeah. Yeah. and it detracts from his achievement. Yeah. Um Donnie says no. He said I was fine at one six eight. He said I wasn't the biggest light heavyweight. He said my problem was coming in too low beneath one six eight. And he and he says that's on him. He doesn't blame Leonard for that, you know. Yeah. But yeah. you could liken it to a catchweight, but it's not the same as a catchweight. Catchweight is in between two divisions, you find a weight. A poundage between it, right? Like one three eight. Yeah. If a okay, like, when it fights a this, light next week, I'm going to try to get Donnie on. I'm going yeah. to my fellow yeah. Canadian, the Canuck. Yeah, well, I, well, <laughs> I, I try I, to get him on. Let's, let's do it. Go. I mean, Donnie's a great guy. I mean, Donnie. I was saying actually, my best friends in boxing. I think you know that in terms of my best friendships with stars that I used to read about as a kid would be yourself. Canadians. Well, it would be would be yourself, this guy, Tim Witherspoon, and Donnie Lalonde. That's my best friends in boxing. Oh, sweet. That's the fun. Thank you. You know, but moving on then, the kind of final topic, as it were, because um, mm -hmm. the other thing going on today is we're, we're kind of socialising with Mike's in-laws. So yes. I promise we wouldn't take forever over this one. I was thinking, like you know, yeah. forty-five minutes. Um, Josh Warrington lost his IBF featherweight title in his native Leeds last night to a tough, unorthodox rather ungainly Mexican called out Luis Alberto Lopez. Mm -hmm. We saw the fight, and so I know what we thought about it uh, mm -hmm. individually. Did you see it, first of all, Michael? I did not see it, no. That's what I feared. That's why I said it. Yeah. It, was on, it was on my... It was, the fight was shown on my right side. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, okay. You know... It's like the joke, I mean, you because you were a little late logging in today, I said it's probably because he's only got one eye on the time. <laughs> See, if you if you can if that's you, a low blow he said he said i know ben you mean i know the same but we go cha 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 i got a million of them. <laughs> if you, you can joke about it then I, I can um no okay um basically the decision was fair enough i was surprised to be honest with you because i expected that the hometown fighter to get it anyway as much as i don't approve of hometown advantage and you got to take the title from the champion i expected all of those unwritten rules to apply last night and i expected warrington who did finish strong in the last two rounds i expected him to squeeze home but quite mm. refreshingly they gave it to the away fighter and um warrington as as once again is no longer a world champion that was his second reign as, mm. as ibf featherweight champion and that was that, you know, um, he was kind of, do you know, here's what I thought, right, Michael. Um, looking at, knowing this guy fought Danny Lopez, um, you know, over nearly 45 years ago for the WC featherweight title. Yes, and knowing around that time, the division was also populated with the likes of Sanchez and Pedroza and Juan Laporte. Yeah. I looked yeah. at last night and I thought it was absolutely amateur night, quite honestly. It was almost like the Ebony Bridges, Shannon O'Connell fight, but with yeah. more power. Yeah. And with, yeah. with, you know, um, and I just wonder how we've come to this, where that, that and I think it's the but Ben, but ben quickly, quickly, I would have to say that it's the lack of talent coming out of the amateurs that's causing the that's causing the the dearth of of professional boxers today. You see all the guys that were that were champions in the, in the, in the I don't know seventies or especially the eighties and the nineties. They're coming from extensive amateur backgrounds. You look at the exactly. Russian fighters and the Eastern European fighters today. Those guys that are good, they have had two three hundred amateur fights and they're starting off in their single digit years. They're not starting as amateurs in like in their late teens. These guys are yeah. starting when they're like seven, eight, nine, and they're getting their hands together. 
and they're learning, they're not getting hurt because you don't hurt your, you can't get hurt as a seven, eight year old, but you're getting your skills down and you're working that out. So when you, by the time you turn a pro, you've got like 15 years of punching. You know how many years of punch, how many punches that is over the 15 years? You've honed your craft. Isn't that yeah. right, Miguel? Yeah, I agree. But the promising thing, I saw the undercard of the Warrington fight. There were three fighters that looked very good British boxing. boxing. Yeah, he, he liked the look of a few bricks on the undercard. He yeah. looks like, thinks we've got a good crop of boxers coming through. But they were almost more impressive than the elite end. When you got right. Warrington Lopez, it did not look like world-class boxing, quite honestly, to me, um, last night. And yeah, I they think... look amateurs. They were throwing wild shots. You know, they weren't sending No shit. IQ at all. Exactly. It was just brute strength. Just yeah. power. Where I land the shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the one that won the title turned uppercuts from the hip. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. from was, nowhere. Yeah. No jab. No, yeah. No jab. No, no slip. Exactly. There was, there was no technique. Yeah, and you see, and that kind of happens when you have no amateur background. You right. you get to the top. No, you're with, correct on that. You're you know, with with this that. stuff that that usually would get cut, you know, cut off in, in in the bud kind of thing. It would get nipped in the bud. It wouldn't have a chance to grow. You can't have yeah. success like that. Fighting as an amateur against the depth of talent that used to be in the amateurs now, because of, there's so many the other talent. ways to make it. There's so many other ways to make a dollar that. Boxing is the toughest way to make a dollar, and so you're not going to get as much talent. Well, I saw a lot of talent on the undercard. There was three three British fighters that I liked a lot. Good. They looked like American boxers. They were boxing, yeah. counter-punching, yeah. setting traps. I know two of them in particular that he liked were Junaid Boston, uh, mm -hmm. who's a bit of a Nassim Hamid tribute act, but he looked good, and he could and he could punch as well, you know, yeah. as well as that loose-limbed kind of reflexes mm -hmm. style. Mm -hmm. uh, and also Hopi Price, who's about, I think it was his ninth pro win, um, trained by David Caldwell in, in this country. So Mike, Mike was saying, actually, it does look like you've got a kind of a, of a, of a cool kind of uh, young talent crop mountain coming, up. Yes. coming up. But, but generally speaking, in any case, uh, you know, looking at, let's say, Warrington last night, it just seems like the standard of certainly of world championship professional boxing has declined more than it's improved you're going to get exceptions and you and you know you don't you have to make your search or you, you have to make your case exhaust if you're trying to prove a point yeah. you can't yeah. just take one hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Fight from last night. You know, from mm -hmm. last night. But I do think, you know, we've always said, well, Michael, you seem to actually be in two minds about it because you've said in some ways things do move on and have evolved. But in other ways, you recognize the fact they haven't. You're not clear cut on it, I don't think. On, on what? I'm sorry. I missed the On, on the first. evolution of boxing or, or, or not. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, boxing involves in the in definitely in the ability for us to see it and get it and 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 actually practice it. But once you know that, once you feel how difficult it is, and once you feel like everyone's scared of an L, you know, L stands for loss, but they think it means you're a loser when really it should mean you're a learner. You know what I mean? And that exactly, that, exactly. I I one hundred percent agree with you because. A lot of fighters don't want to take chances. Yes. They, you know, all they want to do is just get the L. They'll, yeah. you know, fight. And the only way you're going to get good 
It's about fighting hard competition. Yes. That's how you learn. The and I lost, like you said, now sometimes I was just talking about Murray Sutherland. Murray yeah. Sutherland had a lot of losses. Yeah. Yes. He fought a lot of great, but then yeah. he became a champion. But that guy, just because he had a losing record, when you got into the ring with that guy, you were in a fight. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that, like a fighter, a fighter in the seventies and the eighties and back, if their if their record may be, uh, you know, ten and fifteen or ten and nineteen, even ten and twenty, but you know that that dude's tested and he's for real. <laughs> one one of the things you would look back and says, who did he lose to? Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, you say someone yeah. like, do you know what? I was thinking about Maurice Sutherland and, you know, guys he fought like Michael Spinks, like Yaqui Lopez, Tommy Hearns. There is actually an argument for saying his body of work is better than Chris Eubank seniors. Uh, may, yeah. Maybe, maybe not, but you could mm -hmm. argue it, even though one guy's. Yes. He fought great fighters. Yeah, he fought great exactly. fighters. So we, we have a question, by the way, which we should engage because we're trying to ultimately engage an audience with these things um, rather than please ourselves. Jeff Thompson has asked, can, um, um, can, can I ask one question, please? Uh, who, do we, who would we favor at Baturbiev and Bivol? That's the one fight he'd like to see in the light heavyweight division for all the marbles. I, you know, I think that's a great fight. I, I myself believe Baterbiev at this point now, from what I've seen, would win that fight. And, and convincingly, I think. What are you saying? I, I haven't seen Baterbiev, but I like, Vivo has an excellent job. And yeah. he's huge. Mm -hmm. He's big. So I, I like Vivo. Uh, yeah. Have they have they not fought each other as amateurs or they could have done. I, I can't pretend to know that silk, but um I, know I, I, I would favor Bivol actually. I think I mean <clears> don't get <throat> wrong, better be is, is a beast and he's he's incredibly formidable. And you may or may not know that Britain's Anthony Yard is next up for him at some point yeah. next year. Um, yeah, I do know that. I believe yeah. it's January. And you know, fair play to Anthony because he's had tough you know, title shots. He he fought Kovalev, albeit a faded Kovalev uh, a couple of years ago for an attempt to become a world champion and now he's going in with either the number one or if not the number one then the number two guy in the division i would favor bavol i think he's got a little bit more i think he's i didn't think he was special to be honest with you when i see him fight craig richards which was actually my first sight seen of him but i think he is a bit special now obviously i've been i've been influenced by the canelo performance and his last time out against Bene, uh, benavides so i would i Maybe not so much on the style, so much as my just preference for Bivol, but very slightly. Um, I oh, know. You, you like him, like you like him, his style, his his uh, yeah. personality, and not so much. You're not looking at it from a uh, from an execution's point of view, from a um, from a style. No, but, but, but I think he, I think he's a better boxer than better Bivol. I mean, I know the other guy is, is hard as nails and, and, and relentless in pressure, yeah. you know, and all the rest of it. But I just think that Bivol. Perhaps has a little more, and um, yeah. I, I, I would favor him on points. You, you don't, before. you don't see um, any defensive tendencies in Beterbiev. You think he's he'll he's uh, the kind of fighter that can be hit by somebody as proficient physically as. Yeah, Bivol. yeah. I, I I don't think he's porous defense wise, but I th but I think he I think Bivol will find him, um, and I think he'll find it harder to find the other guy than he normally does. Uh, Beterbiev, I, I think what I, what I like about him is like even though he has this incredible power, but he he tends to be able to place his punches very well, which you know Eastern European fighters have that ability. But he's but 
the dude's like not only is he hard he's like you know what i mean like he's he's a yeah. real hard fighter but he's extremely he appears to me to be very intelligent like he can calculate and he can adjust and adapt as the, the way he's going on the way he walked joe smith jr into yeah. that ko was very impressive when he let yeah. that guy come forward because some guys feel like they have to be dominating and backing a guy up yeah. but yeah but Terbiev, who is strong as hell exactly still let the guy back him up because it suited him i Sometimes we call it take him on a journey, let him come mm -hmm. to you. Let Bail, him come. Bail him in, yes. uh, you know all yeah. about that because you did that so often in your career. Right. So we, you know what? I'm a bit excited today because we found some all that there is on YouTube of this man's distinguished career yeah. is two fights that he lost to Lopez and to <laughs> Wankid Mesa. But he showed me some stuff he's got on a on a DVD today. We yeah. saw two yeah. fights that have just been filmed in these kind of little club venues. Yeah. So they're nice and raw and gritty. So the guy who filmed it, a friend of his has done a really good job of the filming. And there's Dennis Rappaport talking afterwards and saying this is the best guy in the world at the weight. Wow. And Jaime Garza can't hide for us forever. He can run, oh, but he yeah. can't hide. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get them uploaded, but it just reminded me about your counterpunching right. and ability to let a guy come to you right. so you could take Thank advantage you. of his mistakes. You know? you. Yeah. And you know Dennis. You know Dennis is a showman. Yeah. yeah. You know, Dennis Rappaport comes in. Yeah, it was some classic, classic Dennis Rappaport. Yeah. Wow. I, I'd love to see those guys. They can't wait for you to put them up. He's given me, uh, he's, he's got two copies, so he's given one to me. If I can get it sorted in a media file while I'm still in San Antonio, I will. If not, right. it's coming back to London with me. And, uh, and there will be more of this man's legacy in the public domain yeah, before I'm through. Go. I love well, it. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Michael. Oh, of course, baby. You're, you're the man. You you are the man. Thank you. I thank admire you. you. I admire you so much. I've been a fan. Your name, your family name. I mean, even before... Everything went down, man. You were you were the one. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Very nice for you to say. And that that feels like a nice ending. You've actually excelled yourself tonight, Silk. Because usually, you're so kind of gregarious and sort of loquacious that if, the, if there is a problem, <laughs> it's, it's in getting you to close. But can I assume that that's what you've done on this occasion, sir? I, I guess I didn't mean to. That was by accident. I, I mean, I it was a good close, but I but it was. But it was all 100%. You know what I mean? It's like I just admire this man sitting beside you. I really do. I, I'm fortunate that I'm of the generation that I've been able to appreciate someone with his talent. So I, I'm, I'm sort of beside myself when I, you know, sit back and I, and I, you know, you're talking, to, we're talking to a legend, really. We're talking to a legend, somebody who, who today would be one of those dominant fighters. Like, yeah. And it's I'm not insane. talking to a legend on StreamYard or Zoom. I'm sitting with him here. Nah. Which is, <laughs> that is super special to me. So, what's the weather um, like over there? It looks beautiful. It's it's nice. Yeah, it's it's nice. So he's now he's trying to drag it out again. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's pleasantly sunny. I've got to say, it's it's much better in London. I know it's snowing. So I feel for any of my friends who are watching at home, like yeah. the, the Jeff Thompson, yeah. um, Danny Graham, who we didn't manage to acknowledge a little bit earlier. I hear that it is freezing and uh, minus five in London. I hear it's snowing. I will be back there next week for episode 10 of Sugar in the Silk with, with, with this man and another illustrious guest, no doubt. We are on the case. Thanks to Ace Podcast Nation for making this possible. Uh, show your support. Patreon, likewise. In the meantime, be and lucky. Let's do, and let's try to do this, Ben. I know that was a beautiful sign-off. I'm sorry. I always have something extra to say. Go on. Go on. But I just wanted to say, like, if boxing is going to get better, if fighters go with the intent. My intent is for the fight not to go the distance. 
my intent is to stop you. And if and the judges are there just in case the fight does go the distance. That's the way boxing should be. And that's something that had always been on my mind. I hadn't found the words to say it. But if that's the intent, the fight's scheduled to go 10 rounds, and then there's going to be a decision. But my intent is for the fight not to well, go 10 how rounds. How would you feel about no decisions again? You remember the newspaper decisions thing where right. they couldn't render a decision in certain states because of the illegality around gambling laws and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so what they did, if, if a guy didn't um, stop, if nobody stopped uh, anybody, then they would have a consensus view yeah. in the newspapers, but they would not have an official decision. Would you yeah. be in favor of any kind of return to that? No, I, I mean, I think that there should be a decision. There is a clear winner, a clear loser. But but both fighters have to be trying 100% their hardest in order to win a fight. Do you know what and, Keith Thurman said? He said, that? back when he was undefeated, Keith Thurman, several years ago, said, it really kills me to think that two of my fights went the distance, that two of my wins are by decision. He goes, yeah. I don't really see how it can happen. He goes, if you're really throwing down and really going for it, I don't see yeah. how you can go the distance. That was it. Exactly. Which is a bit a yeah. bit like what you're suggesting yeah. to me, but and that's I, what I the, yeah, that's when the fans are getting their money's worth, and I think that's when the business that's when the business of boxing is going to grow and benefit. That's when it's going to be flourishing. So you're going to say it's all about the KO, yeah? No, no, it's all about the intent. I think if a fighter's yeah, okay. intent, like so, the the fight last night, and I've been, I fought in reverse too. You know what I mean? I, I, but you know, and there's no way fans are but about it. I fought in reverse, and I fought as a counter puncher. But my intent when I punched was never to like. It was always to hurt an individual, not to score points. Like the intent was to end the fight, always, one hundred percent, no matter what. I'd always wanted the KO. I always want, and you have to work towards that. And uh, yeah, you down with that? Yes and no, because yeah. the the reason why is because when you look for the one of the rules yeah. I learned is if you go look for the knockout. You're gonna get knocked out yourself. Yeah, the, it, the, the, there is the there is that ability, but if you have the defensive capacity, like exactly. Yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. Yes, but what I'm saying is, and I know what you're trying to say. The what the fighters need to do is to take risk. Yes. You know, a lot of fighters are not taking risks. They like yes. like when I fought Lopez, they box. They rather run and survive mm -hmm. than try to win. Try to mm -hmm. take the chances, you know what I mean? Yeah. Try, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because where the where the saying goes, no guts, no glory, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, 100%. And, uh, and I think once we get that down and we do some, certain things, certain things like if you hold in a fight, and you haven't been hit, you should have a point taken away. I mean, if I were if I were ahead of a league or whatever they have these things right now, these are some of the new rules I would be implementing. Like, there's no holding in a fight. If you're going to hold and wrestle and grab a person, I'm taking a point away immediately. Well, well not... this, hold, 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 in the rule book of boxing, is holding a foul? It's... I don't think holding it is. is a foul. Holding is a foul. I'm looking at. I'm thinking of the British Boxing Board of Control rules, which they give us license holders right. every year. They update the new the new rules. They're usually the same as the old rules, but there might be the old modification. But um, I don't know if it is. I think no, excessive holding is a foul. Whether whether excess. the mere fact of clinching and tying a guy up right. is, is a foul as soon as you do it, I don't know. But yeah, you're suggesting it should be, Michael. Immediately is that as soon as you hook a man's arm when you're on the yep. inside. Right away, I'm, I'm stopping you. I give you one warning second. I'm taking a point. Do you know, right Joe Fraser? Was... That's not a bad idea. That's that's pretty. <laughs> when, I, I like that. You know, yeah. Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser during Ali's exile, they had a 
a taped conversation in a car. They were going from Philadelphia, I believe, where Ali was living mm -hmm. at the time. He was living in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And Fraser was obviously famously lived in Philly for, for most of his life. Mm -hmm. And Ali said, I'm writing a book. I'm writing an autobiography and I want you to be a part of it. This is when he didn't know if he was going to be exiled forever and whether he'd ever come back to the ring, right? In, in uh -huh. 1960. He didn't know that yet. It was about 1869. And, uh, Fraser had an appointment in New York, so he said, okay, I'll drive you, then we'll go together and we'll put the tape on and we'll let's ref, you know? Yeah. And they were talking about how a fight between the two of them will go. And Ali was saying, there's no way you can avoid my jab or you'll be able to avoid my right cross or my left hook or whatever he was saying. He said, "Less, of course, you hold me, which is a bit rich, him saying that, you know, before he made things played out. But Fraser was so indignant. He's nearly, he nearly let go of the wheel. He said, I ain't never held on to a man in 26 fights. Because you know? that's what he had. So he said, I ain't never held on to a man in 26 fights. Not ever. Exactly. And you never. know he wouldn't, you know. No, so. Joe would not. Never. Never. Even he get dropped and he's hurt and he wouldn't hold. He wouldn't clinch. He's like trying to move his head. It's, that's it's what, you know, what he did. And I, I like when he got decked twice by Oscar Bonavina in one yeah. of their fights in the 60s yeah. and when they mentioned it to him like you know whether that was a cause for concern he said well I always said if a little man hits you on the chin you're going to go down but yeah. the question of how you're going to react when you get back up and, and that was it you know? yeah. so, would boxing be in a better shape if everybody was like smoking Joe Frazier in terms of mindset absolutely no, but I agree with you. Holding, holding has been uh, has, a lot of fighters hold that's all they do is hold Yeah, yeah. and, and I agree with you you know what I mean I, I think you know uh, if you hold you know what I mean? One time, you know what I mean? Like I said, yeah. one warning, and now yeah. you take a point. Yeah. I think it would make boxing better. It would make, yeah, infinitely. infinitely because a lot of guys, you'd be surprised, a lot of guys use holding as a strategy. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, guys, that are, guys that are in fighters, yeah. guys Vladimir that are in fighters. very long heavyweight reign was defined as jab and grab by some people. Yeah, you know, sorry? the heavyweights, you know what I mean? Second. Who, who, who was jab and grab? Vladimir Klitschko. Oh yeah! Oh my God! He had eight arms. That dude when when he yeah. went to fight, you got inside. It was an issue. <laughs> yeah, a jab and hold, and that's not good enough, is it? You're supposed to excel at all the distances, all the yeah. defense, defensive yeah. mode. That's, yeah, be, comes, that's being yeah. a complete fighter. That should exactly. be the aim for any coach who's, who's molding a young fighter. You yeah, want to make him a complete fighter, and if you don't have that aim, why not? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so I'm sorry to extend this past uh, your. You your, close, uh, Michael. Go on. You you can do this. Uh, this is your audition to, to, for, for for I don't know what for, for the <laughs> podcast. I guess for your continued presence on this show. You close it for me. Go on. Show me how. Uh, show me. I you know I have you. I'm I'm not. I'm only good with the rehearsed uh, with with rehearsed lines, but um, I loved having. I love our conversation as usual on sugar and silk and Miguel. Uh, Ayala, it was great having you on with us again. We love uh, we love the participation of people. Even more, want us to ask us questions. Please come through. Join us again next week on Sugar and Silk Volume. Was it ten? Volume ten? Uh, nine, I think. But who's counting? <laughs> That'll and, do. Yeah. Goodbye. Thanks. Uh, You're lucky. Thanks. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No. 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.